Welcome everybody to our next podcast. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about guidelines and lessons learned for coping with anxiety. And luckily, I have a personal history with this topic, so I will be your presenter today, which is a little different from our usual mode of operation here, so it's basically just going to be me talking as well as our editor listening. For me, this topic hits very close to home. We all know that everybody experiences anxiety to one degree or another. To get granular about it, you know that feeling of dread, worry, apprehension, or that fight or flight response to a situation you may be experiencing? Sometimes this sensation can be overwhelming, especially when we experience it often and in situations that aren't exactly life-threatening. Well, there are those of us who experience anxiety in small doses, and on the other hand, there are those of us who are deeply affected by anxiety every day. One of my greatest takeaways in this deep dive and researching how to handle anxiety, it was worded by Tim Ferriss almost perfectly in one of his interviews. It's all about learning to be quote-unquote emotionally aware and resilient. Today, I'd like to share with you my journey in understanding and coping with my anxiety for the past five years and giving you some strategies and guidelines to help in coping with anxiety on a daily basis. Let's jump right in. All right, so let me talk a little bit about my story to help the audience connect with my experience here in this case. In my college years, I noticed an increase in fight-or-flight responses to situations that weren't life-threatening at all. And these sensations, they varied from cold hands and feet uh, to increased heart rate, erratic breathing, and I felt like I was losing control of my body, almost like fainting. And sometimes it felt mild and sometimes it felt heavier. And this would happen seemingly erratically but a lot more often and I didn't know what it was. At the time I had two jobs, you know, I was a hard-working college student just like everybody else. I had two jobs, I was in school, I was focused on paying off my debt in school and I was focusing on getting high grades so I could be awarded bursaries and various other awards in school so I was able to pay off my tuition a lot easier, you know. If you get a 4.0 GPA in one year, you can be awarded up to $1,000 and that I was awarded one year and that went toward my tuition. That was amazing. So in this time, I was working really hard and I didn't know what was happening to me at the time. I felt helpless. I felt like I was losing my uh, control of myself every day a little bit emotionally and I didn't know what was going on. So I did a lot of reading about it and counseling with family, friends, and professors. And at that point in time, I learned I was having anxiety and panic attacks. And I was like, whoa, really? Is something really wrong with me in this case? What do I do about this? I don't want to be feeling this because nobody likes feeling apprehended or you don't like to feel worried and and anxious when you're sitting down drinking coffee worrying about a test. Like It's very uncomfortable feeling, of course. So I started doing some deep research and in-depth study into what anxiety really is and where it gets triggered. So this came from a lot of reading, counseling with experts, researching on my own, because uh, if you're a college student, 
uh, you may have access to your academic databases where you can find a whole wealth of psychology articles and health and wellness articles where scientists would post their findings and they, you can find a lot of information there. And a lot of the information that I got also came from conversing with other people. So I never held it to myself. I tried to be open with it as much as possible and I gained a lot of information about it as well. So I'm going to be sharing my insights for things that helped me at this point in time and in the past five years of my life so far. And just as a disclaimer, you know, I'm not a doctor. I do, I do recognize that there are people who require more medical attention, whether it be from a doctor or over the counter. So if you feel like you're having chronic symptoms or um, something of that nature, if you're ever in need of more help, you know, reach out to your psychiatrist or doctor, reach out to an expert. However, if you feel like you were doing well in life and suddenly you feel like you're more and more spiraling out of control and you feel more anxious every day, this episode is for you. Whether you're a young professional, a striving student, this episode is for you. So let's go over a very quick definition of what anxiety actually is. So you, you can all do a Google search on this or take a look at your dictionary. So it's basically caused by stress. It's a natural response from your body to stress, and it's a feeling, both physical and emotional. Often it involves apprehension, worry, dread. And uh, we did mention in the intro that uh, it's also a feeling of a flight or uh, fight or flight response. Now... This can become very overwhelming, and if you experience it more and more, you need to take steps to combat it in the best way possible. Now, a lot of people talk about reducing anxiety. I'm going to be talking about coping with it, because to this day, I still feel anxious at times, but it's not like it overcomes me on a daily basis. So I think I've got a handle on it, and I'd like to share this experience and these insights with all of you today. So I've came up with my own five steps that I hope can help our audience. So let's start off with number one, with coping mechanisms and strategies that work for me. Number one, aim to understand the inner workings of your anxiety, and you understand how to tackle it. So the goal is to understand what's going on with your body and understand what's going on with your emotions. One great resource that I came across uh, through a TED Talk actually was this book and this idea and concept of emotional agility by Susan David, a, a doctor, professor of psychology at Harvard. And it's really about recognizing your patterns, specifically labeling your thoughts and emotions, accepting them, and working through any possible solutions that you see through recognizing your patterns. Now, the goal in this case is not to get hooked by your emotion and to see it from a detached and different perspective. So, for example, let's talk about labeling your thoughts and emotions first. So let's start with the emotion of anger. Say you're sitting down at school and you're studying and you take a look at one of your projects and suddenly you feel angry, you feel overwhelmed and stressed because of it. So we we'll start with the emotion of anger, right? But what about the project or what about that situation is making you angry? So you ask yourself that question. So you deduce it to stress. You think, oh man, I'm so stressed right now. This assignment has so much riding on it. And then you can ask yourself then, you go to a deeper root cause of the stress and you find out that you're frustrated. 
So that's the next layer of that thought or emotion. Then underneath the frustration, you find that you're frustrated because your team isn't pulling their weight. Aha, so now we know what that feeling really is. And what's great to do here is actually to journal the feeling out. So when you feel frustrated, write it down, note the what's going on at that point in time, the situation you're experiencing, the thoughts you have, note the feelings in your body specifically, like I have an increased heart rate, face feeling flush, I'm getting sweaty palms right now, and uh, I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I feel like it's too much, write that down. And this is a tool you can use to cope with anxiety. So it's basically when you're labeling your thoughts and emotions to recognize your patterns, you can write it down in this fashion. I feel this way. So I feel anger, frustration, stress. I experience this sensation in my chest, my face, my palms. It's likely because, and then you write down the situation. So by understanding this and breaking it down piece by piece, it puts it into a perspective where it isn't overwhelming and it's manageable. So it stares you in the face from a piece of paper. So now that you read your own uh, reactions to anxiety, you'll start to understand and you'll start to see patterns. Like for me, for instance, whenever I was anxious, I was low on sleep, which I'll touch about. I'll touch on that in a minute. But uh, one personal example of something that makes me very anxious is when I hear strangers yelling. You know, I feel anxious and I feel worried, and when I hear them yelling, I get an onset reaction of anxiety and my body starts to act up a little bit, and um, I get these recruitment patterns where my chest starts to feel tight, my hands start to feel numb, I start to worry, I start to get panicked thoughts, but I wrote these all, all these things down and I noticed something in each and every one of those instances. Every single time I got out of it safe and sound. The strangers didn't do anything. I was looking for signs of trouble. I stayed away from it and I was totally fine. So, in which case, use this concept of emotional agility and emotion granularity. So start small, you know, write your feelings down. Stick with it and address it the best that you can. So by practicing emotional agility, the goal is not to get hooked by the emotion. I mentioned that before. So by not getting hooked by the emotion, you are not allowing it to overwhelm you. You simply acknowledge it. You know what you're feeling. You look at it at a different perspective and it no longer seems so overwhelming. So that's a very important point there. Really, I really do recommend that book. Try checking out Susan David's talk, a TED Talk on Emotion Agility. She'll explain it way better than I can. All right. Next, I want to talk about number two. Number one is understanding what you're feeling and the inner workings of your anxiety. Number two is understanding that the little things in your life matter. Organize your priorities and activities and your mind will organize itself. So this is based on the idea that our external reality affects our internal state of emotion. People like to talk about root causes. While chaos and stress in life can be very common causes for anxiety, as a matter of fact, it could be the entire cause of anxiety that you feel. But here's one way that you can combat it directly. So here's one thing that I started doing. So if you Take a look at suggestions from experts, Navy SEALs, people who have been in the Army. Try this one thing. Clean your room and clear out your clutter. So I created this little acronym for myself, which is BBCC. 
Students can remember this. This is be brave, clear clutter. You know our minds and our body cells are very organized and scheduled, and when you feel like your life is spiraling out of control, start cleaning your room. And continue cleaning up your life one piece at a time. It kind of intersects in this case with something I read on the Psychology Today website, which states it wouldn't be surprising that if the reason we crave symmetry and cleanliness in our homes is to mirror the organization within our very own bodies, neatness and order support health and oppose chaos, which is basically what anxiety feels like. It feels like chaos. It feels like a lot of stress. So start small and turn it into a habit. One great thing to do is just to do your bed every morning. I had started doing this in high school and uh, I wasn't consistent with it in college at all. And it might have been one reason why I felt like I was losing control of myself is because I wasn't organizing myself. And one great thing to do is to start doing your bed every morning just to make your bed neat. And this process could take a little bit of time, but as you expose yourself to more orderliness and cleanliness, and after your room is dealt with, you can start organizing the other parts of your life. So what about organizing yourself at school? Prioritizing your tasks, for example. What about organizing yourself at your job? Same deal. You can start organizing your tasks there and prioritizing your projects. What about working on your health, which is what we'll touch on shortly, and uh, it really does well to tie in with our previous topic on executive function skills with Bob Rosedale. There's a concept called prioritize and execute. You do what's important, you get it done, and your worries go away. As soon as you get all of your important priorities completed, it feels great. And you don't have to worry about it when you go home. And at the end of the day, as long as you feel like you're organized, you'll feel much better about it. You'll worry a lot less. So to oppose the chaos, organize yourself. Prioritize accordingly. All right. And number three is to take rest seriously. This means finding activities where you're working in rather than working out, so to speak. What I mean by working in is after you complete this activity, you feel recharged. This is important. So we often schedule when we wake up in the morning, for example, but it's a good practice to seriously schedule when you sleep, nap, read, or do something to recharge. Just like you set an alarm for when you wake up, you can set an alarm for when you do that recharging activity when you start working in. So at 6 p.m. every night, you can set an alarm that says, hey, take a break and read for 30 minutes. That will make it so that you're taking your rest seriously. It's almost like practicing disciplined sleep. So one, one of the factors that contributed to my anxiety in college, so we talked about coffee, it was also the lack of rest, the stressful and emotional situations at home and at work feeling overwhelmed basically. So, you know, you need to really schedule enough time for your body and your mind to rest. This is really important. And people like to talk about this concept of burning out and they ask, is burnout real? My answer to that is yes. And your body and mind will tell you. Like, you would go to school or work with the same amount of sleep and every day your performance and tests and tasks get worse and worse. You can even get sick and more often, and that is not good. So one way to combat that is to take your rest more seriously. 
make a schedule for when you're available to work in. Those are some great things to do. So that's taking rest seriously. That's number three. Let's go to number four, doing something altruistic with your spare time. So helping someone else, for example, a great way to feel better about your life is to make someone else feel better and help them out. You know, as your coworker or as your classmate having trouble with their assignment, you, it's likely the case that if they're having trouble, if, you're, if your classmate's having trouble, your class is having trouble completing an assignment. So by working with them to help them out, you'll feel much better about life in general. Some other good things to do would be nonprofit or volunteer or charity work. Um, I remember when I was working in college during the summer times, when I had less classes, I actually worked as a head camp counselor for sports. And at that time, one of the head, other head counselors, I believe in a drama section, had this brilliant idea where we do a community day activity where we take all of the kids, we go outside and pick up garbage. And the, the, we awarded the, kid, the team of kids who had picked up the most garbage with some freezies, freeze pops. I'm not too sure what everybody else calls them, but here in Toronto, Canada, as far as I'm aware, we call them freezies. So um, anybody who had collected a, a large amount of trash as well, we also award them with the freezies. So it felt great. So always remember, try and do something altruistic. It, may, it gives your life meaning, gives you something to look forward to. Try supporting the community initiative that you believe in. Because the cause and the purpose will drive positivity in your life and encourage positive thinking. This is great because this helps you reframe the way you see your life. Because if you see it as chaos, it will be chaos. However, if you see it as positive, it will become a lot more positive. When you feel like you're living a meaningful life, it doesn't seem so chaotic after some time. Alright, so that's number four. Let's go on to number five, and this one is my favorite and one that you can do every day if you have the time, or rather you can make the time. Engage in activities that improve your health and well-being. So the first thing that I'll talk about is meditation, and uh, I do have a story about meditation, but I won't get too in-depth about it. Um, I, was, I had the privilege to meditate with a Buddhist master. This person had a temple. And uh, I was able to meditate there for several days, and I was able to go into a meditation program, actually. So what I did was, one night, we were meditating in the temple, and I noticed, I, I didn't notice it at the time, but I went into this flow state where I was just present with myself. I was controlling my breathing, I was controlling my thoughts, I wasn't really having that many thoughts at all. I noticed that, and before I started, I had a headache, but I decided, look, meditation might work here, might help me out. So... As soon as I noticed that I was sitting there for a long period of time, I stopped meditating and I found that I was sitting there for an hour and a half straight just with myself. <laughs> and that was a strange experience because I also noticed that the more I was able to relax during my meditation, my headache seemingly just went away. It was like it didn't exist anymore. So it was a great experience, and I recommend meditation for people who like that peace and quiet. I do want to say it doesn't necessarily work for everyone, so I wouldn't recommend it for every single person. But if you like peace and quiet and you feel like you're an introverted person, try it out. It helps you become more present with yourself, so to speak. So that's a, gr a good thing to try. Another thing, as well as exercise, if you feel like uh, your life is spiraling out of control, one great tip, go to the gym. 
one great tip is go to the gym. Start exercising. Work on your muscles. Work on your cardio. Try a simple workout routine and just do it as often as you can. By improving your health, it improves your mood. There's a lot of research on this. There's no need to really get into it now, but it's such a beneficial thing to look and feel healthy. Another great thing to do, an activity that helps your health and well-being, especially when you're noticing onset anxiety, is to practice this thing called box breathing. So um, I'll give you a little resource closer to the end of the podcast, but box breathing is basically controlling your breathing in a count. So you can count to three, inhale in, one, two, three. You can hold it for a three count, one, two, three, and exhale with a three count and when you exhale that's when your body relaxes and box breathing is great because it gives you a sense of control over a situation especially when you're feeling anxious box breathing will interrupt that little pattern that happens when your body starts recruiting other parts to engage in that feeling of anxiety so it's a really good thing to do I highly recommend box breathing try that out especially when you notice anxiety in the moment it gives you a sense of control over yourself and that's great The next thing I'd like to recommend is some kind of crisis training course or martial arts. It prepares you for stressful situations and it helps you train your natural reaction. So in a stressful situation, we may have an anxious response to it. However, I think martial arts and self-defense courses are a great way for you to feel like you're prepared in a stressful situation. Of course, I do not endorse violence at all. <laughs> Matter of fact, I, en- I endorse peace, okay? So I highly recommend learning uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. If you haven't practiced that, it's great. Uh, if, you're really like, if you're into health, go into a serious boxing or Muay Thai program. Those are great. Or take some serious self-defense courses where these people, actually, these instructors sometimes will tell you some really good tips like looking at your surroundings to look at signs of danger and avoiding them accordingly. Those are some really great life tips that you can apply on a daily basis. This is a really great thing to try. If you have a crisis training course, I highly recommend engaging in it. Try it out and uh, look for reviews. See if people have tried it before, whether or not it was a great experience. I really believe that preparing yourself for stressful situations boosts your confidence and you feel a lot better about tackling life in general. The last thing I'd like to recommend is part number five, engaging in activities that improve your health and well-being. Join a club. Sports clubs are great. You get to connect with like-minded people. That's always good. You can also join the scouts if you're younger. Ask your parents, hey, is there a scouts program that I could join where I could join Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or whatever the case may be? And those are great because you actually learn some really interesting life skills. And all of these activities, all of them, so meditation, working out, uh, exercising rather, Uh, Box breathing, martial arts, joining clubs, sport clubs, whatever the case may be. These activities give you something meaningful to look forward to and give you not just a purpose to get up tomorrow or the next day, but it also gives you a sense of control in your life. It helps you cultivate a sense of control that you're doing something that improves your health. And by improving your health, you're improving your life, right? So before we end off here, I'd just like to 
recommend a couple of tips and resources that I believe can, uh, you can refer to on your own that can further help you understand anxiety and how to tackle it. Check out box breathing at healthline.com. I've talked a little bit about box breathing. I've found this one great blog by this gentleman named Leo Babauta. That's B-A-B-A-U-T-A. It helps you learn to detach from your emotions. And there's one great um, thing that he came up with called emotion surfing, where you literally accept your emotion, you don't shut it out, and you ride it out. And it's a really interesting thing to try. So I highly recommend that. Check out the book Emotion Agility by Susan David. That is a great resource. I really like that one. And uh, her TED Talks are, and interviews are amazing as well. And also, if you'd like to cultivate a more positive per- perspective about our world, I highly recommend the book Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker, especially if you're academically minded. I think that's geared toward adults, mostly. <laughs> so if you're in college, I highly recommend that book. It's a great one to help you expand the way you think about the world in general and it'll give you a positive perspective about how much progress we've really made in the world and the last little tip i'd like to recommend is to listen to the life story of the elderly you can learn a lot from retired people believe it or not Um, i remember one vacation i was on uh, on my way to nova scotia canada and i was sitting beside a retired lady i believe she was a wife of a a soldier who was in the Korean War and the Cold War, I think. And just having a conversation with her for two plus hours straight, it made me wonder, you know, when you grow older, you you become more at peace with yourself and what you've accomplished and you spend more time with your family. And her perspectives just really helped me to kind of redefine my own. So believe it or not, folks, whether you're a young student or you're a a young professional, you can still learn a lot from your elders. So I recommend that as well. And that concludes my strategies and coping mechanisms for dealing with your anxieties. I hope you enjoyed that. Some of these things are meant to be coping strategies and mechanisms, and some of these suggestions may help after or during experiencing an anxious situation. Pick up a couple of them, try them for yourself, and believe in what you choose to do. Regarding coping with your anxieties, remember that advice that's marketed as panacea, in other words, one-size-fits-all approach, it probably doesn't work at all. However, I do want to leave you with one more note that our minds as well as our ability to change our behaviors and our emotional state, they're a lot stronger than you think. We have powerful minds and powerful ability to change our behaviors and our emotional states. So with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen and help us out by writing a review and letting us know what you think of the podcast. This is Gilbert out. Until next time, I'll see you in the next episode. Take care, everybody.